Basketball can be a mysterious sport. The team whose logo is in this envelope will have the first pick in the NBA draft. Watch James. Now wanted a timeout, but too late to get it. And five minutes go up on the clock, overtime here in game one. Will Giannis win a title in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform? It's hard for me to say that, Jay, considering how loaded the Lakers are. I don't know if you've been watching uh, Taylor Horton Tucker over the last couple of days. But what if those mysteries could be solved? What if those conspiracies are reality? Truth is out there. Can you handle it? Welcome back to Hoop Truthers, a weekly, kind of weekly basketball podcast that talks about all things NBA. Let's start with the current standings. I mean, we're like week five, I think, into the NBA, Dre, by the way, at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. Nick Andre, welcome back to the show. How you doing, brother? Welcome back. Welcome back, man. Um, season's kind of heating up. A lot of good things, a lot of bad things, a lot of crazy situations, but that's what the NBA is all about. Here's what you can expect for today. We're going to talk about the standings a little bit. If we want to talk about the teams involved with the standings, we will. Beyond that, we are starting to get some really viable trade rumors out there, and we are before the big trade date of December 15th. I'll explain that a little bit longer. So we're not going to do anything in terms of our own trade ideas or anything like that, but we'll dissect the rumors that we have seen and talk about how we feel about them, if we have destinations in mind, things like that. Let's start with the seedings. Uh, Eastern Conference right now, Bucks and Celtics are pretty much ahead of the pack, as they have been since the beginning of the year. And since last year, if we're keeping mm-hmm. it real, the Boston Celtics are 13-3, and best team in the league, and the Bucks are 11-4. and Few losses in their past few games. They're getting really tired of missing guys to injury, which they have the entire of the season. Then we've got the Hawks, 10-6 and six at third, and then the Cavs and Pacers, surprisingly, 9-6, and 4-5, and five, with the Wizards at 9-7, and seven. and then it's just a whole slog of people that are 9-8, 8-9, 8-8, 8-7, and 9, uh, until we get to the basement. Talking about the top six teams, Dre, Eastern Conference-wise, I'm sure the Bucks and Celtics have stood out to you. Anything else beyond that, or do you want to talk about those two teams? Yeah, I mean, we could definitely dive into those uh, two teams first. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is kind of not surprising to many. Uh, we obviously right. know that these are two teams that are championship contenders. The one thing that I will say about Boston is what really impresses me because everybody knows the whole scandal, the whole Ime Udoka situation. Right. Um, and I'll be real, I was a little concerned when they announced that he was going to be gone this year, which, I mean, he's no longer with the team, period, but... I, will, I, will, I must say that I was concerned just because of how well they played, how well they made that transition of getting to the finals. And I know that Yudoko was in a really tough situation, but we all can agree that he was really better piece behind Boston's uh, success. So coming into this year, you know, we obviously know that Tatum is coming back. Uh, Jalen Brown's coming back. They saw Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Al Horford. The list goes on and on and on. And then, of course, with the signings of guys like Malcolm Brogdon, 
and other guys as well. But I was still kind of concerned if Boston could figure out a way to elevate from last year. And for them to be this year, the number one seed, 13 and three, Jason Tatum's having an MVP caliber season so yeah. far. This is, this is just really, really impressive. So Boston, I, I, I may say Boston may be more dangerous this year than what they were last year. And that's, that's something to me. Personnel is better. They didn't lose anybody from last year, and they gained Malcolm Brogdon, who you already mentioned. He's coming off the bench for them, but he would be in the um, closing lineup, I would expect, of any important playoff game. Adds right. another playmaker, adds another solid defender into that rotation. Um, Playmaking-wise, something they really didn't have last year, and you show it this year with the – Half-court offense, probably best in the league. It looks incredible. They're scoring at a crazy margin right now, and the defense looks as good as it did last year, and last year it looked like the best defense in the league. So they're the best team in the league right now, bar none. Um, they're fully healthy. They are. They have a mix of youth, and they have a mix of veterans. Joe Mazzula taking over for Ime Udoka after the offseason saga has been doing a good job, uh, as can be expected with a team that he had uh, with a, a, a rookie head coach in this situation. Um, Sam Hauser, you heard a lot about Sam Hauser if you're paying attention to the Celtics last year. Didn't get much run, but this year is leading the league in three-point percentage, hitting all of his threes. They use him as a movement shooter, and he is absolutely tailored to do that. It remains to be seen if he can do a ton more out there. He's playing regular season defense, but that's entirely different to uh, playoff defense. I wouldn't expect him to be in the playoff rotation past the first round, but right now they're believing in Sam Hauser, and it's doing things for him. They are in a nine-game win streak. Um, number two in that... Eastern Conference right now is the Bucks. I watch all the Bucks games. I'm telling you guys, I'm getting tired of these injuries right now. Um, no Middleton at all for the season. He mm -hmm. had a left wrist injury surgery over the offseason that he was recovering from. And as he came back, we received word, um, not officially from the Bucks. It's not necessarily their place, but his father did pass uh, pretty recently, and it looks like he's been taking some time off. Because of that, doesn't look like he's suffered a setback in his rehab. He's just been taking time off to deal with the passing of his father. Uh, Pat Connaughton has been out with a left calf strain for the entirety of the beginning of the season. It was supposed to be three weeks for him. It's been longer than that. Budenholzer says he hasn't suffered any setbacks. They're just being safe with him. Drew Holiday before playing sparingly minutes in last night's loss to the, or Friday's loss to the Sixers was out for four straight games with an ankle injury. Wes Matthews has been in and out of the lineup. Um, Joe Ingles, their biggest acquisition from the offseason, still hasn't played recovering from an ACL injury. I am tired. I need one of these guys to come back, hopefully all of them soon. Giannis looks fine. I know he struggled on Friday. I don't care. Javon Carter looks great. Brooke Lopez is the DPOI, all of that stuff. But the only story that really matters for the Bucks beyond trade rumors that we'll talk about a little bit later is that they just need to get their guys healthy. Uh, Dre, have you watched them recently? Any other comments beyond that? No, I definitely agree with um, everything that you mentioned. Um, they were the one team that went the longest as far as being undefeated. I guess you could say yeah. that they kind of slipped a little bit. They had uh, two losses to Atlanta, I believe. Um, they did have a big win. I think it was against Houston earlier last week, I believe. Uh, Brooke Lopez dropped like 29 or something like that, I think. I think I saw something like that. And then, unfortunately, you know, they ended up losing to Philly. So, I think 
I think Milwaukee is just fine. I definitely agree with you. I think they're just really waiting to get a lot of their core guys back yeah. so that we can really see where this team is working with. But right now, I think they're just kind of like just just cruising along throughout the year. And then, you know, once 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 I get everybody back, I mean, they'll be, they'll be up and running. They're 11 and 4 without their second best player in Chris Middleton, waiting for Chris to come back. And once he gets back, he needs to get back into the rhythm of things. So it's going to be a bit for the Bucks to, until they're at full strength. And they might incorporate some new trade pieces by then, too. We'll see. The Hawks are at 3, 10, and 6. Um, Trey and DeJunte is probably the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. It's them or the Cavs. DeAndre Hunter looks like the guy that they paid uh, in the offseason as like a third option. He's taking guys off the dribble. He's hitting mid-rangers, um, taking a bunch of shots. I'm really happy with DeAndre Hunter this year. John Collins for like the fourth straight year is on the trade block. And Clint Capella is playing well as he usually does. Um, really solid. Well. Onyeko Kongu off the bench has been great. A.J. Griffin is probably going to make an all-rookie team, but when it's all said and done, he's scoring really well. It was you know crucial to their win against the Raptors in double overtime the other day. Maybe it was just single overtime. Dre, the Hawks, I mean, they're the only team that's beaten the Bucks twice. The Bucks have four losses, so that's half of their losses. Anything else on the Hawks? I've been really impressed with DeAndre Hunter this year, and he's been that guy that I think we've all been interested in. You know, can he take that next step and for him to be able to really find his footing um, alongside guys like DeJounte Murray and Trey Young is really impressive to me. The Hawks have been really solid. Um, Trey is once again, you know, dominating, you know, having uh, double-double performances, 30 and 10 per se. You know, once again, um, really asserting himself as possibly. I don't know if he could be an MVP candidate this year. I know that last year he could have, but because the Hawks were very up and down, Definitely he wasn't up there as far as, like, you know, being top five. But if the Hawks yeah. can really find a way to sustain and really be, like, a top contender in the East, you know, who never who knows. But I'm really I'm really impressed with what Atlanta's doing this year. Um, I love the dynamic backcourt of Trey and DeJounte. And I think, I think they'll only get better from here on out. Then let's talk about fourth in the East right now. This is probably where we end the legit contenders of the Eastern Conference with the Cavaliers at nine and six. Um Donovan Mitchell looks like the best player on the team, and they just acquired him in the offseason. That's not to mention Evan Mobley in year two, who is quickly becoming one of the best bigs in the league. Jared Allen has missed a few games with injury. Haven't seen a ton of him this year. And then just a slew of wing guys that they're running out there. Isaac Okoro, I know you and I like him. He's been terrible this year on offense it hasn't taken a step at all defense is still there but there's not, it's not much. a surprise dean wade looks good in his minutes jenny osmond doesn't get a ton of minutes um they've thrown isaiah uh what's homeboy's name Lamar Stevens is who I was thinking of at the three for a lot of minutes. Uh, he's a big body that can hit some threes. At the end. They just announced that Kevin Love sustained a right thumb hairline fracture. That was announced yesterday. He will be undergoing daily assessments. Um, there's nothing official, but daily assessment sounds like he's not going to be uh, sidelined long term. We're probably going to miss that time, a little bit of time there. Um, if he misses time, it's going to be Robin Lopez, solid back up center there. Dre, your thoughts on the Cavs right now? Cavs are still trying to figure this thing out. Um, yeah. They are very young. Um, still trying to figure out, you know, how to really compete at the highest level. I mean, we saw flashes of it last year as they made it to the uh, playing tournament. Obviously, now with D. Mitch, and I know that they've slumped a little bit, and, you know, obviously you see dummies on Twitter basically saying that, you know, since the Cavs have kind of struggled recently, that 
they should have never made the trade for Dimitch. I find it kind of stupid. You know, Dimitch is playing at an MVP caliber level this year, and he's the reason why he's the reason behind their success. Darius Garmin back definitely has made a big difference. He had that, I think he had that 52 point game that lost in Minnesota last week. So this we're trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know if he could really put them in the same conversation as Milwaukee and Cleet or Milwaukee and um and Boston yet. Just because I mean they still are very young, but they're gonna make some noise. You know, it's it's just it's just gonna really take time before this team really establishes themselves as like true contenders in the East. Mitchell averaging thirty one point two points on fifty percent from the field and forty one percent from three, just scorching it right now. Career high thirty one point two. I would put them on the same level as Atlanta, but not Boston, Milwaukee just yet. Probably just because of youth being a factor. They're one of the younger teams in the Eastern Conference as well. And let's stop it at five. Well, hey, just just real quick, just a quick yeah. question. So, going down the line, who do you think? Like, who do we think like we would trust more, Atlanta or Cleveland? I think, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think they're both in that same position as of right now. But, I mean, it I, is still early. I think the Hawks and the Cavs have pretty similar backcourts, and the Cavaliers have a significantly better four and five. Like, I like John Collins and Clint Capella, but Evan Mobley and Jared Allen really is. I agree with that. Evan Mobley is on Yeko Kongu with, like, John Collins' offensive game as well. So – it's just much better. The one thing about the cast is they, they have no wing defenders in the sense that if Mobley is busy with a Giannis, who is going to guard a Chris Middleton, if Mobley is guarding Tatum, who's going to guard Jalen Brown with the Hawks, you know, I don't think they, you know, you can have Okongu and Capella try and double up Giannis and fight with that. And then you've got guys like DeAndre Hunter or DeJunte Murray or uh, Justin Holiday that you can try and throw at Chris Middleton as well. I always compare contenders to the Bucks. That's just how I view things. Um, so I'd probably have the Cavs ahead. I think their talent level is higher, but Trey Young's probably a better player than either team right now. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. We'll stop at number five in the Eastern Conference just because they're a surprise team that I want to talk about. The Indiana Pacers, who was a favorite to tank this year for a high draft pick that still might be in the cards, but a nine and six start means that they have at least right now the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Tyrese Halliburton looks like an all-NBA guy and maybe even better than that in a couple of years. Ben Matherin has cooled off since his rookie season started off with a bang, but they're still getting contributions from guys like Miles Turner, Isaiah Jackson, who they love. A lot of guys on that roster that are playing hard for Coach Rick Carlisle in Indiana. Dre, you've been watching Indy lately? Uh, I haven't watched in the past few games, but you know I've I've definitely been checking them out. I mean they're they're another one of those younger teams that are just still trying to figure their way. Like you mentioned earlier, people expected this team to tank just because you know we all thought that they didn't really have the team to really become contenders or really emerge as contenders in the East. But um, Indiana's Indiana's been pretty solid for, uh, throughout this year. They just got a win against Orlando uh, a few nights ago. They're actually top. Five, I believe, in scoring. So the offense is definitely there. Then they're ranking, I think, in uh, number nineteen. I believe, yeah, number nineteen in uh, defense. So obviously that's still an issue. But I mean, I guess you could say, I mean, it's impressive. But you know, I don't think we need to really jump the uh, jump the gun on Indiana. You know, this is still a very young team. I know we're not really going to expect much of them as the season progresses. You know, it's just really impressive to see Tyrese Halliburton really emerging as as a franchise cornerstone for the uh, for the team. 
Buddy Hield is um, is increasing his value as a um, as a legitimate three point shooter, and then even guys like Miles Turner as well, also as well, who continues to be in trade talks. We don't know what the future looks like for him, but I mean, besides that, you know, Indiana's been pretty solid. Pretty solid. They might still punt on guys like Turner and uh, Buddy if the right trade comes along. I think you can add TJ McConnell and uh, McConnell in that deal um, or in that idea of player right now. But they've also got young players. Jalen Smith is playing 24 minutes a game. He's averaging 11 and eight. Very solid numbers for Jalen Smith. Andrew Nemard, who is you know, doing things for the first time, as well as Aaron Naismith. Chris Duarte has kind of fallen off a little bit this year, but um, they're interesting. I'd probably still prefer they get another lottery pick, like a high lottery pick to pair with Reese and Matherin, especially if Duarte's not really going to pan out and they need a younger front court. I mean, Jalen Smith is 22 and he's a great, player to add into that core but you want a center of the future or a three slash four of the future and they do not have that identified right now dre who has the number one record in the western conference in the western conference here let me check real quick so we have 12 and 6 12 and 6 we have the one and only utah jazz who just got a win last night saturday night against the portland trailblazers crazy this this is crazy i mean uh it's like you know i know that we mentioned indiana was being one of those teams that many predicted the tank many predicted utah to do the same thing yeah we saw them get out to the hot start a lot of us weren't even believers then but larry markin is the truth larry markin is the truth he was the truth in chicago he was even the truth last year cleveland you know giving them quality minutes last year cleveland and now I think he is taking his game to the next level, being the number one option for Utah this year. Yep. Um, I have my thoughts on who I think are uh, most improved player candidates, but there's no question, there's no debate that Lowry is at the top of the list. You know, he's just continuing to emerge as an all-star caliber, caliber player. And Utah as a whole is really good. I, I know that we mentioned last night when we were talking, like Taylor Horn Tucker looks like a very solid role player which is yeah. really impressive and i mean and look i've mentioned this on multiple occasions a lot of guys just are not they just they just don't fit in la you know and taylor horn tucker is one of them because even his rookie here you know even even in his rookie year you know he showed a lot of promise but then you know as as time went on he kind of declined a little bit and a lot of people stopped believing in him but i just i mean i i, I always knew that tht could be a solid player maybe not the player like maybe not a starting point guard honestly but honestly you know being a great role player for that team for a team i feel like he could always be that so for him to be in utah um give credit to the coaching staff for, for really utilizing him though um in a, in, a, in a great way and you know he's really been a key factor behind their success Lori Markinen should be and will likely be a first-time All-Star this year. 22.3 points per game, eight rebounds. Uh, both of those career highs. Shooting is pretty solid, 54% from the field, 37% from three. Looks like a number one option on like a lower-level playoff team, but definitely a guy you can pair with two, one to two other stars and try and make something out of it. Just They have like 10 guys that play basketball. You know, Laurie Markinen, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Kelly Olenek, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker. 
all of those guys beyond Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson were acquired via trade this year. They're incorporating an entire rotation. And if they make the playoffs, I don't think there's really any question that Will Hardy would be coach of the year. Do you disagree, Dre? As far as winning coach of the year, I can see it. Um, I don't want to bank on it. I don't want to just go ahead and assume that he will be. But if they do make the playoffs, he will definitely be up there in the conversation, whether they finish seed, whether they finish fifth, sixth, or seventh seed. But just for him, just for him to really lead the team to playoff contention should put his name as far as being a coach of the year candidate. So I can definitely agree with that. Other shout-out goes to Walker Kessler, who's probably yes. going to make first team all-rookie, yes. to be fully honest, this year. Second center or third center are taken off the board in the draft this year and getting more minutes than Mark Williams and Jalen Duran. still at only 15 minutes a game, but he averages 5.3 and 5.2. Probably going to be a double-double guy once he reaches that 20-25 minute point rank, which we might see this year, we might not. There's a lot of mixed opinions there on what Danny Ainge is going to do. Does he keep this team around for the good vibes? Does he sell the veterans for picks and tank for Wemby? Uh, at 12 and six, they can pretty much do anything. The most credible reports that we've seen is that Danny Ainge is going to be opportunistic with this roster, which likely means if he gets an offer that he likes, he's going to take it. If not, he's not going to force a trade. I had pipe dreams of trying to package a lot of shit for Laurie Markkinen on the Bucks. At this point, maybe he's not untouchable, but it would surprise me if Danny Ainge just sold him for a pick with how well he's been playing this year. The Utah Jazz remain at top of the Western Conference as they have for pretty much the entire season at 12-6. and six. After them, there's three teams tied at 10-6, and six. Through two through four, we can start with the Grizzlies. Um, I had them taking a small step back this year in our preseason predictions episode, mainly because of they didn't add much talent. Um, I'm not, I wasn't sure where those leaps were going to come from. If Bain had another leap in him, if Jaw did. Uh, but they're 10 and 6. They're too well oiled of a machine, just like the team directly under them. But the Grizzlies are continuing to win. Dre, what have you noticed? John Moran's continuing to um, assert himself. John Moran continues to um, climb the ladder as far as being an MVP caliber player. Um, it's really impressive to say the least. Um, I mean, a lot of people were kind of on the same as you because the Grizz, technically, they don't have a second star. Jaw is really like the only star with the team. So I think a lot of people didn't expect them to come back this season and make some noise, but they've been really impressed. You know, they got uh, they got one of the top defenses um, in the league. Um, I already mentioned John Desmond Bain, who unfortunately unfortunately is out right now. He, he took an extra step in my opinion. Um, yep. Triple Triple J just came back. Jaron Jackson Jr. just came back. So the first time of the year, by the way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, for the first time this year. So Memphis is looking solid. Um, I honestly, I'm hoping and I'm praying that they finish above the team that's actually under them right now. But we'll only see it as the season progresses. Um, you mentioned John Morant being out. Let's get an update on that injury really quick. While we're doing that, Mike Conley, we didn't mention in the jaw and the jazz section, is expected to miss two weeks with oh, yeah, a right. leg injury, but he was able to avoid a serious injury. Um, I would anticipate Colin Sexton stepping up into the starting point guard role. 
in my opinion, it feels like Utah doesn't love Colin as they're still starting both um, Conley and Clarkson over him, which is kind of a small backcourt, especially defensively. And Sexton, for his faults in the offense, which is probably why he's not playing a much, does play uh, defense when he's focused. Let's talk. Let's see. Conley, he two weeks and then John Morant injury. Do you know how long it's for? I think it's not too bad. Let me check. I swear there was an update here. Didn't we just get like a text from Shams too? Or a tweet? Was that Dame? It was Dame. Okay. Um, tweet his ankle, but there's nothing too bad from what I've seen. Uh, grade one sprain. Maybe. So let's see. He had a grade two Last yeah, so he's expecting to miss two weeks, or at least two weeks. Yeah, we'll see about two weeks. Um, they're a well-oiled machine. Tyus Jones is among the best backup point guards in the league. I don't think they're going to miss too much of a step without him. At three, I have really thought this team was going to take a step back because they had lost their sixth man of the year candidate last year uh, in the offseason. Their bench, I mean, in my opinion, continues to look bad. But just like the Grizzlies, they're too well-oiled of a machine, and we should stop doubting their regular season success. The Phoenix Suns are 10-6. and six. Uh, Devin Booker is still on fire. Chris Paul has been in and out of the lineup. I really haven't heard his name much this year. Um, Cam Johnson had not taken the leap that they expected from him when they gave him the starting line job, but and he's still out with a meniscus tear. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be that much longer. Jay Crowder isn't playing. They lost JaVale McGee. They're getting great backup center minutes from Jock Landale. I mean, Dre, the Suns are just – they're too um, mechanical to lose easy games. They're 10-6. and six. How do you see this continuing for it's like you mentioned, they are going to be a solid regular season team. So I don't have any in my mind that they will continue to stay in at least one of the top seeds in the West, at least top five seed, mate, possibly. But it all depends on you know what they what they can do in the postseason. So that's why I'm not really big of a Phoenix Suns believer. I know that may make some people upset. Yeah. But you know we've seen it on too many occasions. Um, and it, I don't know. It just still seems like this team is just out of sync. You know. Aiton still doesn't seem like he's playing at his level right. to me. I mean, Booker's definitely still doing him. And then you mentioned Chris Paul. Chris Paul, I don't know if it's age or I don't know if it's just, you know, I'm not even sure what it is. But like I said, Phoenix is still definitely an oil team to where they can continue to emerge as a top contender in the, in the West. But I'm just not really much of a believer in them as far as really making noise move forward. I fully agree. Booker's playing great. Um, you know, first, second team, all NBA caliber guy. Mikael Bridges, they're both playing 37.1 minutes a game. They got to find some guys on the bench to be able to lighten that loader. They're going to be gas come the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Bridges it's is still playing, a long season. Yeah. Bridges is playing well 15, 16 points, five point and a half rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block on really good shooting splits. But I think they expected either him or Cam Johnson to take a step forward and becoming like a 20 point per game guy this year. Hasn't happened. Chris Paul's played 10 out of like 15 total games that they've played so far. Nine points, nine assists, still almost a double double like Chris Paul, but. 
it's not high level. He's certainly not the second best player. Like he might be the third best player now beyond McCown. Maybe it's DeAndre Ayton. Like you said, Ayton looks out of sync. 15 points a game, eight rebounds. Those are good numbers, but he should be at 20 and 10 at this point, you know. Honestly, if you look at that at that run they made, you know, getting to the finals, you know, we can all say that Aiden was pretty impressive that year. And we yeah. all expected him to really emerge himself as being like one of the top bigs in the league, but it just seems like he's taken more of a step back than a step forward. That's I just agree. from my point of view. It might be mental. Um yeah. I think I think yeah, I, it might it might be the situation, honestly. I mean, we all know that there has been some friction Weird. within the organization. You know, Aiton was almost on his way out. He didn't get the extension. Uh, Phoenix ended up matching that. But then also you heard Aiton and Monty Williams didn't speak throughout the offseason. So it's it's just a weird situation right now with him in, in Phoenix. Weird one. They still need to move Jay Crowder. That might come sooner rather than later. And then before we move on from the Suns, you wanted to talk about your favorite ex-warrior, Dean. Oh, Lincoln. man. Uh I'm upset, man. You know, well, I'm I'm upset, but then again, I'm not upset. I'm definitely happy with Damian Lee and the production that he has given for Phoenix this year. You know, as as people may be aware, Damian Lee was part of the Warriors last year. He ended up winning a championship, but he didn't necessarily make the impact that I expected him during last year, or even like during his tenure with Golden State. I guess you could say I'm a little I'm a little jealous and I'm a little salty about it because I expected more out of him. You know, he's played yeah. 15 games this year, averaging around seven a, seven a game on 48% from three. Really yeah. impressive, uh, to say the least. Um, I think I want to say he had a game winner earlier this year. Yeah, I, I saw something like that on Twitter. Yeah, and then and then I think he had 15 points in um in the Suns' recent matchup. So I'm I'm still rooting for the guy. Still room for him to a degree. I just wish that, you know, or I don't know, it may have been a situation like I mentioned with Aiton Phoenix. It may have been a situation in Golden State. You know, he was kind of in and out of the rotation, so maybe that was why he couldn't get his rhythm. But for him to be, for him to play this pretty, pretty decent in Phoenix right now, I'm definitely happy for him. And let's see where, 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 let's see where it takes him moving forward. Suns are going to make a move. I, I really don't see uh, them not making a trade by the end of the day. I think they need to. Months. Jay Crowder is essentially guaranteed to be moved at this point, but hopefully they have some luck on the buyout market too because that bench is atrocious, man. As much as I'm happy that Damian Lee is playing well this year, he's playing 20 minutes a game for a team that's supposed to win the title. You know what I mean? Right. Um, he wasn't even doing that with the Warriors last year. So hopefully they can find some guys out there. Hopefully they can flip Crowder into one, if not two, rotation players. At four, the other team that's tied with those two teams we just mentioned at 10-6, and six, one of the feel-good stories of the season so far is the Trailblazers, 10-6. and six. Um, We just got an update from Woj that Damian Lillard does have a – I believe it's a core injury. Right calf out one to two weeks from Shams isn't expected to be that bad, but they are going to be without his services. They've done it already this year. Unfortunately, Dame's been a little bit banged up this year, but they have been played well because their starting point guard isn't necessarily Damian Lillard. It's Anthony Simons, who has really, I mean, people were talking about the contract today. Um, Anthony Simons, four years, 100, versus Jordan Poole, four years, 140. Simons is having himself a great season, 22.5 points per game on 
not awesome from the field. 42% from the field is fine. 37% from three is pretty solid. Four assists a game. He is adding a big scoring punch. Obviously, Jeremy Grant is the third star in uh, Portland, if you want to call it like that. Almost 20 points per game. Four, uh, five rebounds, two and a half assists on some really good shooting splits, 48% from both the field and three-point percentage. Josh Hart is a plug-and-play shooting guard, small forward, defensive-minded, three-and-D type of guy. Yusuf Nurkic is averaging 13-10. and 10. Like, even when we're talking about guys like DeAndre Ayton, like Yusuf Nurkic, in my opinion, hasn't looked that awesome this year especially compared to years past and he's still dropping a 13 and 10 double double a night you know deandre Aiden should be able to do that at this point let's not forget Shaden sharp one of our favorite rookies just east winslow yes. who's doing some really nice stuff and some backup center minutes some backup wing minutes and when he's not the backup center drew eubanks who's getting an opportunity after bouncing around the league a little bit this year uh, the past few years, making the most of it. I mean, six points and 4.3 rebounds doesn't bounce off the page, but whenever I'm watching them, he's making hustle plays, big rebounds, you know, a presence in the paint that they really need. And guys like Trenton Wofford and Nasir Little that we love. Dre, you've been a fan of the Blazers. You even liked them a little bit last year. Um, how are you feeling so far? 10 and 6, can they keep it up? I think they can. I actually think that they can. Obviously, the the schedule probably will get more difficult as as the season progresses. But this poor team really shows to compete at a high level on both ends. And I think that's the most important thing that really sticks out to me. You know, they have a bunch of guys that come in. You know, they set the tone, and then they bring a lot of energy. You know, I'm impressed with guys like Nasir Little, who's taking an extra step. Justice Winslow is back. You know, being scrappy. You know, really in an attack mode. Um, and then, of course, you got other guys as well. Like, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Nurkage. Um, God, I forgot his name. Shaden Sharp. I can't believe I forgot his name for like at the, mm-hmm. at the, at the second. Shaden Sharp, you know, with, with the win of the minutes that he's getting, you know, really showing his great production, especially on the offensive end. Defense still needs some work, but that's okay. But Portland is Portland is really, really impressive to me. And like I, I mentioned earlier um, during our um, during actions that, I do as a healthy game to at least get the team to the plan. I didn't know if they could make it past the plan, but I, I, I kind of knew, like, you know, looking at this roster that, you know, that they can definitely make some noise. But for them to get off to the hot start that, that they have gotten off to and being a top contender in the West, I'm, I'm very impressed this year. Let's move on from the standings and get into the juicy stuff. Um, we've had a lot of trade rumors in the past week or so, primarily stuff from Shams. I'm looking at a Shams article right now, his inside pass. Um, Jay Crowder, let's start there. Jay Crowder has been sitting out the whole season. Um, he was told before the season that he would not get an extension, nor his starting spot that he had last year. Cam Johnson was going to be uh, the starter from here on out and earn himself a new contract. So Jay Crowder made the decision to sit out and he has been sitting out since then. And he has continued to sit out despite um, Cam Johnson's injury. So they haven't been able to use his services at all. Recently, Sham said that the Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks have been engaged with the Suns on a potential Crowder deal in recent weeks and months, but there's 
nothing really right now. I like his fit with either of those teams. Dre, do you like that? Would you prefer him on another team besides them? I like Atlanta. I think Atlanta yeah. could be a, um, a team that could really use him. You know, Kate Carr has experience. You know, he's been to finals uh, a few years in a row. So he definitely you know, understands what it takes to really to win at that or to, to at least to at least get uh get far in the playoffs. So I think him with this Atlanta team that's very young, still trying to find their footing, I think I think that he could really be uh, productive for them. Um I could possibly see him in the second unit. I don't think you I don't think you limit DeAndre Hunter's minutes for a guy like Jay Crowder. Just that's just my opinion. But he could be he can be really good for the second unit. Yeah, I think he would come off the bench or also if they go small, like I could see a trade take Hunter, Crowder, Onyeka, Kongu type of lineup that would really fuck teams up, I think, um, in transition as well as on defense. Speaking of the Hawks, for like the third, fourth straight year, as much as you and I are tired of it as well, uh, the um, Pat Benson, shout out Pat, is also tired of this. The Hawks shout have opened Pat. up preliminary trade discussions around forward John Collins. Um, this is from Shams, so I think this is real, that the Hawks are again trying to trade John Collins. I like John Collins. I think he's like a starter in this league, maybe like a one- to two-time all-star. He really hasn't taken a massive step since he started to become a good player in this league. At the same time, though, being on a team with Trey Young limits your offensive chances, so who knows how good he would be on a different team. And that's something... He has expressed in years past. Yeah. He's in the second year of a five-year, $125 million contract. That's $25 million a year, which really isn't that bad when you're looking around like uh, the NBA. That's about as much as Julius Randle makes. That's about as much as other guys are making. And it's 25 is like the new 15, honestly. So – I don't really know why the Hawks continue to try and trade him. Maybe they like, I don't think they would move him for anything more than an upgrade. And to get better than John Collins, you would have to get like a really good fucking player, which is why they've never traded John Collins. And they're probably not going to. Um, there's a rumor that. Uh, because of the Collins um, trade rumors and their interest in Jay Crowder. Maybe there's a deal there for the Suns to acquire John Collins. And listen, I would love John Collins uh, starting next to DeAndre Ayton. I think he rejuvenates that team, gives them some youth. I like that. But, uh, reports are that the Suns don't want to pay that contract, just like they didn't want to pay DeAndre Ayton's contract. So I seriously doubt they're going to make a move for John Collins to take on more salary. Instead, the rumors that we have seen are that the Suns are interested in Harrison Barnes in Sacramento, Kyle Kuzma in Washington, and K.J. Martin in Houston, all of which is to say, what's going to happen with Cam Johnson this offseason? Cam Johnson is 6'9". He hits all of his threes, like a shitload of threes, and his defense is coming around. That's a very valuable asset to a lot of teams. And for a restricted free agent, a team like OKC, a team like Brooklyn, a team like Los Angeles is expected to have a ton of uh, cap space. Maybe even Indiana wants to get in there and get some more shooting in their front court. I easily see a path for a four-year, $80 million offer, if not more than that, for Cam Johnson and the Suns, who continue to say that they hate spending money. Are they? I mean, here's what I've got on Cam Johnson from the Shams article. 
Their final offer this offseason was four years, $66 million. Almost a fucking uh, insult if you're Cam Johnson. Um, they wouldn't go any higher. Four years, $66 million a year. That's like not a ton of money. Yeah, $16.5 million a year. That's like fine. That would have been fine like a year before, but Cam Johnson knows his value. His camp mm-hmm. knows his value. They're not going to take that shit. So they've been clearly targeting power forwards that are upgrades to try and get better at it. Harrison Barnes, they actually just don't think is a possibility. There's good vibes in Sacramento for the first time in a long time. We can they've been playing really him. well. They've oh, been playing man. really well. And as long, as much as Barnes hasn't been as good as he was the year before or even the year before that when he first landed in Sacramento, but he's a wing that shoots threes and plays defense. I seriously doubt that Coach Mike Brown wants to get rid of him for Jay Crowder and, like, campaign or some shit like that kuzma i could actually see kuzma is in the last year of his deal has been playing well enough as a point forward that he probably commands a near max not that he's a max level player but a near max Mm -hmm. because of what the market is and the cap is supposed to spike and i could see washington who is currently paying bradley beal and Kristaps porzingis a combined like a billion dollars a year right now to hesitate on paying Kuzma a large amount of money. They've traded talented forwards for veterans in the past, like when they traded Kelly Oubre for an ancient Trevor Ariza and just didn't do anything with that. Tommy Shepard with the Washington Wizards organization has been mid, to put it lightly, for Washington. So I could actually see this one for Phoenix. I seriously doubt it gets done without a first-round pick involved, but there's that. Dre, how would you feel about that? I mean, it's, it's, the, deal it's itself, tough. the deal itself is one thing, but if he lands in Phoenix, how would you feel about that? If he lands in Phoenix, I would like it if they are able to make that happen. But it's like you mentioned, I mean, Cam Johnson, before the injury, I like I like Hanson. I like them in the finals. I like them last year. And he's definitely been one of the guys who has taken a step forward over the past few years. So he has been one of your key guys over the last few years that's been a part of this success recently. So. Do you want to possibly um, move not that? Moving him. These all these dudes are without all these trades. If they happen, they're without Booker, they're without Chris Paul, they're without Mikael Bridges, and they're without Cam Johnson. There's a possibility of DeAndre Ayton, but don't forget he can he has a no trade clause for the entire year. He can say right. no to any deal. I would assume that any deal that the Phoenix Suns make do not include any of those four players. Okay, so what so what will it include? If okay, so if there is no trade clause for Ayton. And because of the thing, if you're trading for Kuz, I would assume Washington's going to ask for something, at least one of those caliber guys. You would assume so, but if they do, that's probably where Phoenix says no. This is why Phoenix didn't exactly. trade for Eric Gordon last year. This is why Phoenix didn't trade for Boyan Bogdanovich when he was available from Detroit. They refused to add anything of value, and they've se- they seem to be stingy with their first-round picks too. Essentially, the only trade piece they have is Jay Crowder, who is his you know, a solid trade piece, but the only reason that he's a trade piece is because he doesn't want to play in Phoenix anymore, which removes... I probably wouldn't make that happen. That's just me, because I I wouldn't. A lot of leverage is taken away from Phoenix in that situation because Jay wants to be gone. So the Suns 
since James Jones has taken over, I know they've gotten a lot better and they made it to the finals, but year after year after year, they seem to just have the wrong mentality when it comes to acquiring players of value. Um, who's to say if they didn't include a first or a multiple first, they couldn't have Jeremy Grant right now and they would just be straight up a championship favorite, you know, or a favorite to make it out of the Western Conference. Because right now, this Western Conference looks pretty mid, especially with last year's finals team looking pretty mid this year. Um, so I don't really get Kuzma. Does Jay Crowder and a first-round pick get it done? If so, awesome. Let's do it. If not, what are your options? Houston's K.J. Martin might be available. He might not be. Kenyon Martin Jr. last year wasn't getting a lot of minutes in a crowded front court and he asked for a trade and his father Kenny Martin senior a longtime veteran in the NBA complained about his playing time well guess what people if you wanted to trade for Kenyon Martin it might be too late because he's starting games for uh, the Houston Rockets right now while they have some injuries to their personnel and he's playing really fucking well he tries his best on defense he's uber athletic he dunks a lot it's um you don't get to just pick up a player who is 21 years old, 6'6", and does all of these things on the floor. He's not shooting awesome from three. He's taking three a game, makes 32.7%, but he's a young asset. So if you're a team like Houston, you're not going to take Jay Crowder for that. You might take a straight-up first-round draft pick for that from Phoenix, but then Jay Crowder needs to be rerouted somewhere else. If he wasn't going to come off the bench for a playoff team like Phoenix, he's not going to come off to a, uh, come off the bench for a team like Houston either. Maybe they waive him, but I would doubt that because Crowder has too much value. So I don't really see an avenue for um, K.J. Martin to land with the Suns unless there's a three-team deal. Essentially, any Jay Crowder deal has to be a three-team deal because all they can do is trade a veteran and all they want is a veteran in return. And most of the teams that have veterans that want to trade them want picks or young players in return. And the teams that are acquiring veterans probably don't have veterans that they're willing to give up because they're trying to win as well. Very, very strange situation with the Suns. Um, I guess before we move on, Dre, is there anything that in your mind besides what we talked about that you could see the Suns doing are trying to do honestly i'll be honest it doesn't involve any of their like at least when their core guys like bridges which i i definitely agree he should definitely not even be touched um cam johnson or even ayton the sons might not might not even like bother in my opinion because i don't I just, I just don't feel like they'll be able to get anything done especially if you trade for a guy like kuzma if you trade for a guy like barnes you know teams are going to the teams are going to ask for at least one of those core guys, you know, especially yeah. with those guys who continue to increase their value. So if you're not willing to cough up well, at least one of those guys or even picks, you might as well not even like, you know, you might as well not even pick up the phone. The New York Knicks have a glut of guards right now, like they have for mm -hmm. the past few seasons. They've taken Evan Fournay out of the rotation, but they still have guys like Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly. The latter of those two, not Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes, not to mention those guys. Derek Rose and Emmanuel Quickly, Sham says, apparently the Knicks have shown a willingness to discuss either of them in trades. Derek Rose makes a lot of sense. He's older. He's, I believe, on an expiring contract, and he has played very well offensively for a lot of teams. I could see a veteran team or a contending yeah. team that could use a player like that calling them about it. I'm going to pick him up. 
Yeah, exactly. A team like that. Emmanuel Quickly makes a lot less sense because Emmanuel Quickly is, I don't know, like the second best young player that the Knicks have right now. He is 23 years old. He is in his third season. He has taken what looks to be a step back after back-to-back seasons of scoring over 11 points. He is at 8.7, uh, 3.2 rebounds, 4.9 uh, re, uh, 3.2 assists, 4.9 rebounds, shooting pretty poorly from the field, 36 27.9% from three. I know that it looks like he's struggling, but you don't just punt on, on guys that in the past two seasons have flashed really good offense. And then this season when his offense hasn't been hitting, he looks very good defensively, like very, very good defensively. Um, and it makes less sense. If I have to guess, I would assume that quickly is being floated in trades, only in trades that involve sending Evan Fournier's contract out as well. Fournier makes $18 million a year for the next three years. It's a dog shit contract for a team that doesn't want to play him. Utterly disgusting. So I wouldn't I would assume that any deal involving quickly would also involve Evan Fournier as a tax for taking on quickly. That doesn't mean that quickly is free just for taking on Evan Fournier. You probably still have to include either a young player, a pick or a veteran that they like. There are rumors that they are into Jay Crowder, but if he's out there and you're a team that could use it, I, I was playing with some ideas of getting quickly over to Houston earlier today because Houston desperately needs a real point guard. And that doesn't mean giving up on Kevin Porter Jr. That just means slotting him to the three instead of the one. Um, I would be on the, like if quickly is actually available, I would be hitting their phones all the time. Dre thoughts on those two players being available. Fournier is understandable. Fournier is definitely understandable. Um, D Rose is understandable. Like you mentioned, um, quickly to me, he's been a really good energizer. You know, you mentioned his defense. You know, he's definitely improved a lot, at least on that end of the floor. The offense, the offense is really up and down, but I think it's all about opportunity. And you know, I've 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 mentioned it on numerous occasions. Tibbs has never really been an offensive-oriented coach, and we see a lot of guys really struggling within the offense this year. Even a guy like RJ Barrett, who just cannot get going on the offensive end the course of this season. So I really want to see Emmanuel really thrive with New York. I feel like yeah. this could be the team for him, but honestly, even though his numbers have dropped, his value is still there. I mean, like any team should want a guy like Emmanuel Quigley. Like I mentioned, he's an energy he's a guy that brings a lot of energy to on the floor on both ends. Any team will want to pick him up, whether it's a rebuilding team like Houston or even a playoff contender. I feel like a playoff contender could use him as well. So if that's what the Knicks want to do, as far as you know, bringing in new personnel, you know, I feel like if you're any other team, you should be, you should you should want to get quickly in our beat. I fully agree. The Philadelphia 76ers are again calling teams about Tobias Harris. I don't know what that can get them because Tobias Harris makes like thirty six million dollars a year, and Ugh. they don't have any picks to package with. Tobias Harris to get them someone that makes the same amount of money 
and it's better. You know what I mean? They don't have young players that aren't in the road. Like, they're not going to trade Tyrese Maxey. It would be among the dumbest things they could do. Like, maybe they can put Paul Reed on the on the um, trade block. I think he's valuable to them, and I don't think he has, like, immense trade value either. Shake Milton doesn't have trade value. Georges Niang doesn't really have trade value. So I don't really know. Like, you know, like even when they do have young guys with value, they just let them go. They just let Isaiah Joe go to the Oklahoma City Thunder where he's balling now when he gets minutes. He's really well. Yeah, so the 76ers have – I mean, they've got Matisse Thibel. Fucking nobody wants Matisse Thibel. Doc Rivers doesn't even want Matisse Thibel. Both James Harden and Tyrese Maxey are out with injuries right now, and Matisse Thibel can't get, like, more than five minutes a fucking game. So he's got zero trade value. I'm trying to play around with it. I mean – Maybe there's a scenario where Atlanta wants more versatility on the wing and they take a guy like Tobias with Collins involved and try and get like a future, future pick from Philadelphia or something. But beyond mm. something like that, I really don't see how Tobias Harris gets you anything on the trade market. I agree. I agree. Uh, I've, I've had my voice of frustrations with Tobias I definitely hate his contract. I've hated his contract for the last few years now. And he doesn't really give me a lot on the offensive end. You know, I, I was arguing with my guy, CJ. I was on count the book. Shout out to CJ. Um, and I was like, mentioning, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and I was mentioning, you know, with Harden out, really Philly's only shot creator outside of Embiid is Tyrese Maxey. You know, you don't really yeah. have any other shot creators. I mean, DeAnthony Melton coming off the bench from time to time he can, but. Not really at that type of take Milton whenever he does get the opportunity can on occasion, but not there. But, you know, he mentioned Tobias Harris, and I was like, I mean, Tobias can create a shot, but it's like Tobias is not an elite scorer that I think many people may have expected him to be. And that's okay, honestly, but I don't really know. I don't really know if he really a lot of value. That's just really my opinion. I mean, he's still a pretty solid player, but I don't think there's really any team that's really willing to give up whatever it is for Tobias. That's just my opinion. Two more players that I have on our list. Dre, if you think of any more, please bring them up. But let's start with Julius Randle. We already talked about the Knicks. Randle's got, I think, just one more year left on his deal, maybe a second one. Makes about 23 and a half a year and looks like shit this year. He's gotten some big stat lines. I think the other day he had like 33, 10, and 5. But if you're following actual Knicks fans on Twitter like I am, they are frustrated. Every time an offensive rebound is given up, Julius Randle just gives up on the play and lets them put it back in. He gives no effort on defense. His offense comes and goes. He, It's so strange that he's playing this way because he was such a stellar athlete and effort giver in his most improved season in his second year in New York um, where he earned that contract and he took sort of a pay cut. But... I also think that this isn't really the team to maximize his talents. You and I were talking the other day about his New Orleans year, where he was a really great player, a most improved candidate, would win it a couple of years later. And he needs dynamic guards and wings. He should be the five. It shouldn't be Mitch Robinson. It shouldn't be Isaiah Hartenstein. He should be a small ball five and playing with guys that are three and D as well as guards that can make things happen. I have a place in mind for that. It's a little bit of a surprise, but Dre, you were talking about Charlotte earlier. Let me hear about that fit. Well, I was I was looking for Twitter earlier 
and they were mentioning how Julius Randle's obviously his value has increased throughout this season for the Knicks, which I definitely agree with that. Uh, somebody was there was a few teams. Phoenix was one of them, and then Charlotte was another. Charlotte would be interesting, honestly. Um, and I was kind of think I was trying to think of scenarios, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it. So you know, we've mentioned that's like PJ Washington being in those rumors. I don't know if you could package PJ and possibly I don't know I don't know if Charlotte may have any picks or many other players, but could that possibly work sending them to New York? For a guy like Randall, you could possibly throw another player or another pick in there as well. I would personally be super surprised if Randall gets you more than one asset. I'm picturing more of a Kristaps Porzingis deal because Randall just isn't contributing right now. Like he is on and off his offense, but he visibly is giving no effort on defense or in the hustle game. And I just don't think you give up more than a first round pick or than a guy. So if PJ Washington is part of that deal for Charlotte, I don't think they add a first rounder. I think they add like Gordon Hayward and they just match contracts like that uh, because they're trying to get off of that contract too. And PJ Washington has some real value around the league. There's a lot of rumors about people wanting PJ. I'm sure he's on the Suns uh, list of power forwards that they want. I'm sure he's on the Bucks list. Uh, Mm. Randall, by the way. Just just a quick question off topic. Could, would you swap a guy like PJ Washington and a Cam Johnson? I mean, I don't, the, the Suns aren't doing that. Okay. Yeah, I just figured, you know, it was just just being curious. No, they're not going to do that, and I'd probably keep Cam Johnson anyways. They're both going to be restricted free agents after this year, so they have to pay either of them. I I don't think they do that. I think they try and get – if they trade for P.J., they might not re-sign or they might do a sign-and-trade with Cam Johnson later on, but I don't think he's part of that deal. Um, Randall, by the way, I lied. Obviously, he's got uh, three more years on his deal after this one. He just signed that extension. But the team that I was thinking of that could actually use a consolidation trade, trading a couple of rotation players for one player so they can tighten the rotation – and could use size, could use defense, and could use athleticism as a four instead of uh, as a five. I actually think Julius Randle fits really well with the Clippers right now. Um, they don't have size in the second unit. Ty Lue either doesn't believe in or refuses to play Moses Brown or Musa Diabate uh, real minutes. There's been rumors that they would target a backup center with their trade exception. They have a $9 million trade exception where they could target guys like Dwight Powell or even bring back Isaiah Hartenstein back from New York, who they had last year, and they love him. Um With Julius, I think you could package Marcus Morris Sr., and I think the money works with Amir Coffey. I wouldn't have to. I'm kind of tired of Marcus Morris, even though he's been like their third best player this year. But I think Randall in the starting lineup, sure, next to Zubats works. But I really would be interested to see what a a backup lineup of, let's say, John Wall, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Nicholas Batum, and Julius Randall like i think that would really accentuate randall's strengths in this league um as a professional basketball player i think a team that is coached by tyron Lu and has stars like paul george and Kawhi leonard would 
would be the only chance of whipping Julius Randle's ass into shape in terms of effort and giving a shit, especially because it's this team that's supposedly going somewhere. At least the expectations are that they're going somewhere. And I just really like that in the sense that they wouldn't have to give up assets because they don't. You know, Amir Coffey is cool. He's 25 years old. He's not going to develop much more than this. Same with Brandon Boston Jr. Same with their two-way guys. Um, that was just an idea that I was floating around. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jerry? I wouldn't be mad if it happened. Um, I think that Randall could definitely thrive in that system. You know, with him being that point forward, the guy that can uh, initiate offense, the guy that can't create at times, you know, when he is efficient, I feel like he would be able to really fit alongside, you know, especially um, guys like Paul George and Kawhi who can't play off the ball, you know, having a guy like Randall could possibly help. So I'm just trying to visualize it as a whole, but I would really be interested to see how that di- how that dynamic could, uh, could work on the floor. I think that's everything in terms of trade rumors that we've seen. I thought there was one more guy that I had listed, but I couldn't. Should we talk? You want to talk Wiseman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk Wiseman. You're the Warriors guy. Tell me about your Wiseman ideas, your thoughts. Ah, man. Um, first, let me say that I am still a James Wiseman believer. Sure. I definitely want to see him succeed. And but I must say that I have come to conclusion that I think I think it's time to let bygones be bygones and just allow him to possibly find himself in another in another uniform. Um, it it's it's just really tough to really put a point on it. But Wiseman is not really the guy that I think we really need for this team. You know, I feel like he can reach bigger heights. But, you know, with him still trying to find his footing, you know, he missed he missed over a year. You know, he's still trying to find his groove in the league right now. He just got uh, just got sent to the G League um, over um, over the over the recent week. But I think it's possibly time to move on from Wiseman, possibly see if there's any other trade scenarios out there for him. I'm, I there is one that I would like. I don't know if it, I don't know if it would happen, but I would definitely love it if we could trade. Wiseman to Sony for Galliaka Pirtle. I would love that. I would make that happen in a heartbeat. I think that Wiseman could possibly thrive under a guy like Coach Greg Popovich and possibly become, I don't know, all-star caliber maybe, but maybe something of that of that nature. Especially with, you know, with how things are going right um, in San Antonio. Guys like, you know, Ellen Johnson's been playing well. Devin Vassell has taken a, has taken a big leap offensively. So San Antonio is definitely going in a better direction as far as, you know, as far as developing their youth. And I think Wiseman could definitely be a huge piece of part of that. Jakob Pertl, who is a great, great defensive mind, you know, understands everything. I think he could be a valuable player in the middle for the Warriors. I would love that to happen. That's just my personal opinion. Could it happen? I don't know. Other scenarios, maybe. I don't know if, I don't know if Miles Turner could even be a part of that, uh, part of a deal, not sending him to State and sending Wiseman in those. But those are the thoughts that I had as far as, you know, trade scenarios. As much as I like both Pirtle and Turner, both of which I'd love to be trailblazers, um, trade targets by the deadline, um, I have two concerns that I want to run by you. The first, neither, uh, Turner especially, is not necessarily known as a high basketball IQ guy. And Jakob Pertl, while he is a defensive specialist and one of the best, I think, in terms of non-stars centers on the defensive end, isn't necessarily um, fast or quick. No, he's not. Not at all. So 
Would you have concerns with either of those getting acclimated to the Warrior system halfway through the season for a team that historically doesn't do midseason trades? Well, you can have some concerns, but I th- I still think that if utilized correctly, Steve Kerr could figure out a way to possibly use Pirtle because I think you know Kavon Ludi isn't the fastest guy either. But he still finds a way to really be effective, particularly on the defensive end, and then of course rebounding. So, and I and I and I love I love Looney. I love that guy. But I don't think that would necessarily be a big issue. You know, I mean, especially with just being defensive specialist. You know, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we would really expect much from him on offense. If he does give us some production on offense, there would really be a plus. But as far as defensively, I think that he would be fine. And as for Turner, um. Turner honestly would be very interesting. I just hope because honestly, Turner is a guy. I'm not gonna say he's like Wiseman, but he's a guy that can give you good quality offense as well. And how the Warriors really run their system, especially running everything through Steph, and really and really utilizing the uh, the three point line to advantage. I don't know if he would really get much touches in the paint if he was to play his back to basket, or maybe even right. play a little bit of stretch. So that'll really be that'll really be um, interesting to me, but. I think both could possibly work pretty fine, honestly. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if Miles Turner would be a long-term thing, but personally, I'll just be honest. Personally, I prefer the Yaka Purple deal over the Miles Turner deal sure. if that were on the table, but I, w- I honestly wouldn't mind both of them. My second question regarding them is that both Turner and Iaka Pirtle are expiring contracts, and Turner especially, especially, especially if he doesn't get traded. Not that I fully agree with this, but I expect a mini bidding war for Miles Turner as a free agent this offseason. There's been a lot of talk about him over the past couple of years, and a lot of front offices that don't pay attention to uh, analytics as much as they should or are just blinded by box scores will see that he hits a lot of threes and he blocks a lot of shots and are going to give him honestly I think he gets no less than 22 a year and that's probably an overpay for Miles Turner but I just think that there's going to be a bidding war for him Jakob Pertl not as much but he is still going to be a free agent and it's not like the Warriors have cap space to sign free oh, yeah. agents if they acquire him they'll have his bird rights and they can go over the cap to sign him but you want to trade Wiseman who's got one year after this one on his rookie year for either center who's who you have to resign and at this point you know you've already given extensions to pool massive extensions to him a big one to Andrew Wiggins as well we don't know what's going to happen with Dre Clay's got two years on that contract you already declined to resign Otto Porter and Gary Payton the second partially because of the rookies that you wanted to give more playing time too, but also because it was cheaper to give it to the rookies uh, as opposed to that. So, I mean, do you see that being a worry in these, in these trades at all? Well, when you look at it from that perspective, it does put us in a predicament situation because of the massive contracts that we did give to both Jordan and, and um, Andrew Wiggins. So, but I'm not sure how they will possibly get it done, but see, my, my thing is, is that, I just I don't I don't know what the future looks like for Wiseman. You know I know that he's sure. in the G League right now. I don't know if that I mean Pete. Of course he's got good quality minutes out there, and he is going to produce at a high level down there. But I don't know if that possibly means that he will make his way back into the rotation for Golden State mm-hmm. personally. So that's kind of a situation. So I don't know if I don't know if 
the Warriors would want to bargain that and just say, you know, let's go and trade him anyways, or just, you know, or just keep him on the table just because both Miles Turner and Yaku Perna do have expiring contracts. So it's, it's very, it's very, it's very interesting. I'm not 100% sure what to do in that scenario. So we are going to head on out of this episode. I think that usually we don't see a lot of trades happen before the December 15th date where everyone that signed a contract, not under bird rights, uh, that's January 15th, but December 15th, if you sign a contract with a new team or didn't sign with bird rights, you are eligible to be traded, and that opens up like 40% of the fucking league that can be traded. Usually a lot more trades happen after that date when there's more people, more salaries to play around with and match, but there's been enough noise this year where I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see a deal happen maybe by next week, maybe by the week after that, and if not, probably by the December deadline. Or the December date. Um, we talked about injuries, but I'll run through them really quickly. Uh, Kate Cunningham out indefinitely. He might get uh, season-ending surgery. If that ends up happening, we'll talk about it next week. Kevin Love fractured his thumb. Tyrese Maxey out three to four weeks with a foot fracture. John Morant, mild ankle sprain. Damian Lillard missing time with a calf strain. Mike Conley sidelined with a left knee strain. And Kyrie Irving is returning today to play for the Nets. I really don't want to talk about that right now. We'll talk about it next week if there's things to talk about with the Nets and if Kyrie's playing well or if he's doing not well or whatever, we'll talk about it. In the meantime, um, you can find us at Hoop Truther Pod on Twitter, Hoop Truther Studios on YouTube, all of that stuff. We're tweeting all of our episodes on there, especially as well as retweeting our own things. Dre, tell us about obviously at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. You can find them, but what else can we find you at these days? Yes, um, definitely. Like my guy said, follow me at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. Have a lot of things in the works right now. Um, Definitely follow us at Hoop Truther on Twitter. Definitely uh, check out my other account, The Bucket, which streams every Sunday. Make sure to check it out and follow them, account Bucket USN. Uh, subscribe to Patreon. My ongoing series, NFL Players at Hoop, is active right now. we got two more weeks into the series, and I'm also going to begin ongoing series titled Dragadar. Not necessarily talking about guys that are qualified for the NBA draft this upcoming season, this upcoming season, but just guys that I may see in the G League or in college that I may be impressed with, and then I'll cover them. So definitely look out for those. Please keep an eye over that stuff. Most of it will be retweeted on the Hoop Truth or Pod Twitter account. If you want to find everything there, you can find me at underscore Lucifer. That's Lucifer with a G for basketball tweets, among other things, um, as well as the Bucks Clip Substack that I'm releasing weekly. Didn't drop last week. I'll explain why in this week's edition, where I'm doing weekly digest on the Milwaukee Bucks week and the Los Angeles Clippers week. Um, this week is going to be covering Kawhi Leonard's return to the lineup and the Milwaukee Bucks continuing to miss their stars from the lineup so if you'd like to subscribe for free that's bucks clips on substack i'll be tweeting that out as well as the hoop truther pod twitter account will be tweeting that out we'll return likely next week hopefully with some more news but if not we'll just be keep watching basketball because there's basketball every goddamn day baby and we will catch mm-hmm. you next time deuces boys yes, sir deuces <laughs>